This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another thrilling, riveting episode of Here We Go, the Steelers Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I'm the podcast producer at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You know it. You should definitely know by now that if you want to read about the Pittsburgh Steelers, then you go to BTSC and you check it out because you're going to get breaking news and it's going to be right away. It is going to be hot off the presses there. So you got to check it out. If you want commentary, it's there. Film breakdown, it's there. Everything you want about the Pittsburgh Steelers, if it's not there, it's not worth reporting. I guarantee you that. And one of the main reporters on BTSC, somebody there is my good friend, Kevin Smith, the coach. Kevin, how are you tonight? Doing great, Mr. Davis. How are you? I am doing fine, and my dad is doing fine, the real Mr. Davis. Uh, Well, that's good to know. (laughs) So, Kevin, it has been another thrilling week in the offseason, and because I, I... it got a sigh of relief when I say, thankfully, the GM search is over. So there has been, even here at BTSC, there have been some people on our Slack channel not happy about the results. Me, I subscribe to the theory that the Roonies, the organization, knows exactly what they're doing. I might not know the ins and outs of every single name out there, but I figure that anybody that they bring in is going to be well-qualified, especially when you're hiring. They've done well hiring coaches. They've done well hiring general managers. My gosh, the last general manager, 22 years. The last coach is going on a 16th season. So with that being said, I'm fine with Omar Khan. We know what he brings. But we're hearing a lot of people saying, well, it was underwhelming because he's not a football guy. My question to you, Kevin, is how can you not be a football guy and be a general manager in the NFL? How can you not be a football guy and be a successful cap manager like this gentleman was in the NFL? Yeah. Well, before, before I answer that question, to speak to the, the angst of some of our fellow Slack channel members, I mean, don't, no disrespect to any of them, and I'm not trying to sound like a condescending old man when I say what I'm about to say, but one of the nice things about getting older is you sort of uh, grow a little bit more patient with things. Uh, at least I have anyway. And you, and you, you sort of take a longer view. I think when I was 24, 25 years old, I had gut reactions to everything and I would scream and yell and rant and rave because in my mind, I was convinced that I was right about everything. When I was 25 years old, if you just asked me what I thought, I would tell you. And I was 100% convinced that I was right. Uh, and as I got older, I began to realize slowly uh, that, you know, I didn't really know anything, that 
that I had thoughts and I had opinions, but I didn't know definitively anything. And so, and that was very liberating actually, because you didn't feel like this pressure to be right. And it also gave you the opportunity to just sort of wait and say, all right, well, let's see how this goes. And, and let's, and, and if it doesn't go well, then let's try to figure out why. So, so when I heard that Khan was announced as the GM, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised because it kind of felt to me like it was going in that direction. But understanding, of course, that he's been a cap guy and a numbers guy for so long and is now being elevated into a role where he's going to be responsible for personnel. It's, it's understandable to, to have some pause about that and to sort of say, well, well he, doesn't, he doesn't fit the stereotypical you know, role of, or, or uh, profile of a GM. But like you said, he's been around this organization for a long, long time. He knows how the Steelers operate. He worked side by side with Kevin Colbert for a long time. Uh, he's a football guy. He's every bit of a football guy. And just because maybe he doesn't physically look like a football guy and just because uh, his, he, he's a numbers guy uh, in terms of how he made his reputation doesn't mean that he doesn't know football. So I'm certainly willing to sit and wait this one out uh, and be optimistic, like you said. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because and like I'm also glad you said no disrespect because no disrespect meant because anybody here that is on the mic at BTSC or if they're writing for BTSC that they have good credentials, they are definitely doing great things and I trust in everything they do. But sometimes the passion comes out and they uh, they need to be convinced on some things. And that's not everybody. And I was like that at a certain age as well. But all I'm saying is I agree with you. I just really think that the Steelers know what they're doing when they make a hire. I'm just one of those guys. And I think you are too, that I'm one of those guys that have no problem saying, Hey, I was wrong about that. And I am definitely, I've had so many opportunities to say that I was wrong about something and I have no problem saying, Hey, you know, wow. The blind squirrel got a nut on that one when I got one, right. So that's yeah. it. And, I, and I'll, I'll say this too. It's not going to be all on Omar Khan. I think a, a very sort of under the radar, but important hire the Steelers also made was, was bringing in Andy Weidel from Philadelphia uh, to be Khan's assistant. Cause he, he is a personnel guy and he's a guy in Philadelphia who as a part of, you know, their personnel executive group, uh, was responsible for drafts that put the Eagles in the playoffs four out of five years and won a Super Bowl. Uh, and I mean, Philadelphia just, just had a tremendous draft. They really knocked it out of the park with some of their selections. And so he's a guy who I think will be integral to what the Steelers do and, and certainly in advising Khan about personnel. And so you, you maybe, maybe you have a guy in wide who's wide who's got the eye for talent. And a guy in Khan who who understands the Steeler way. And you put those two together and you might get a pretty good combination. And you definitely don't want to make him upset because you don't want to have to feel the wrath of Khan. <laughs> it was easy. That was, a, that, was a, that, was a, that was inevitable, wasn't it? <laughs> I had to. Yeah. I mean, I almost feel dirty doing that, that one. But yeah, sometimes you have to. No, I mean, teed up, you got to take a big swing. At it. <laughs> That's why we work so well together. And it, it's the same thing, too, because you do not have to be a football guy to be able to comment on it. And you are a football guy. You are an accomplished championship winning coach. And I played peewee football last in 1984. I've watched the Steelers every single 
game and I have not missed a game probably since the 1980s. I don't believe I missed a single game in the 90s. If I had to watch it, watch it on rewind, watch it later on, I did. But I very rarely I don't think I've missed a game. So but I know if I ask you and if anybody asks you, like, how can you do a show with Brian when he's not a football guy? He's just a dude that watches from his couch. You're probably going to say, well, he looks at it from a different angle. Yeah. And I, I don't claim to have any more expertise on the Steelers than a lot of people who have never played football. There's a lot of people on our Slack channel. There's a lot of commenters on our board whose opinions I respect tremendously because they know what they're talking about when it comes to the Steelers. I mean, I know the X knows better and I've been around the game more, but that doesn't necessarily mean I know more about the Pittsburgh Steelers specifically. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I always enjoy listening to what other people have to say, and it's certainly worth taking in their perspective. I mean, one thing about the coaching world and the coaching fraternity really is, is you get inside a little bit of a bubble where, where coaches begin to sort of talk in a certain language and see, see things very similarly. And, and you begin to sort of like, you know, look at the game through a, a certain lens. And then when I, when I'm around BTSC, I, I'm, I'm in a different world. I'm, I, I'm stepping out of that, that bubble and, and into another world where the perspective is different. And I learn things all the time from people uh, around the website and around uh, our Slack channel, because again, like you said, they're coming at it from a different perspective. And that's what I think we get the Steelers get with Omar Khan. So that's why I'm excited about this hire. I, you know, wherever they went with the exception of the celebrity entrant, you know, and that's uh, Lewis Riddick. I was going to be happy. I'm glad they didn't go the celebrity entrant. And I know he's had some experience, but that's just not the direction that I wanted to see them go into. I wanted to see somebody that's practiced the job for the last 10 years than someone that's been in a broadcast booth. That's kind of, that's just me though. I never felt Riddick was a serious contender because, and maybe he was, but he didn't feel like one to me because that's just not the sealer way of doing things. I mean, look at, look at when they hired Mike Tomlin. everybody was like, who's that? They didn't go out and get a big name guy. They get, they, they went out and they got a guy that, that they felt was, was the best fit for them. Same thing with Chuck Noll. I mean, nobody knew who Chuck Noll was when the Steelers got him. Uh, so I don't think that they make hirings for name recognition or splash or publicity or, or anything like that. They make hires because they feel as though they're the best for their particular situation. I remember saying in 1992, who's this guy with the Magnum PI mustache? Didn't we just go through Mark Malone? No, we've got <laughs> yeah. this. It's a cool mustache. And that's what Bill Cower had at the time. But I mean, I wasn't excited about Bill Cower because I didn't know who Bill Cower was. But you know, yeah. he did the Pittsburgh Steelers and the guy springing him in. Right. You know, I, I can I, can I tell a story real quick. Absolutely. Uh, when when you when you talk about interviewing people, you know, sometimes you think football coach, and maybe you get this little image in your head about what a football coach should look like. You know, you get a sort of uh, a profile of that person. One of the best football coaches I've ever been around at any level is our, is, is the offensive coordinator for our high school team, a guy named Paul Callahan, uh, who's coached in college, coached in high school, uh, and is, is an absolutely brilliant football coach. I mean, we've had five straight quarterbacks make, make first team all league under his tutelage. And that's uh, impressive, you know, at any level. So anyway, 
I didn't know Paul. His name was recommended to me when I was looking to hire an offensive coordinator. So I, I arranged to meet him in a bar. And um, I went to that bar and I sat down at the bar expecting him to show. And I looked around and there's a, the only other person at the bar was this guy about three stools down from me who was wearing a, a flannel shirt, uh, some big goofy hat. Um, he was eating a plate of wings. He was getting the wings all over himself. Uh, you know, I mean, it was like, you know, and, and, and he looked like a, like a goofy lumberjack, you know, and I just, and I said to myself, all right, well, it's not that guy. And then it, it got to be about 15 minutes after what, the time that I was expecting him. And I was like, where, where is this dude? So I texted him. And as I, as I hit send, I just happened to see the phone uh, on the bar of the guy three stools down buzz and the dude picked it up and texted me right back at the bar and i was like oh my god that's the guy <laughs> and i was like there's no way i'm hiring this dude you know like look at this guy right uh i, I bumped over a couple bar stools we got to talking and within 10 minutes i was like i'm absolutely hiring this man uh you know it we fell into a a tremendous football conversation immediately i mean there was just like we just dove right in talking about philosophies and how you treat kids and x's and o's and all that stuff and he blew me away you know and so again man i mean you think about the hirings of tomlin of cower of chuck knoll the promotion of omar khan we don't know what those guys are like in the in the interview room we don't know what, the, what they present and what they bring to the table uh but we do know this they produce results you know all those people that we've mentioned have been a part of championship teams and, and a tremendous legacy in Pittsburgh. So, you know, the Steelers know what they're looking for. So definitely, you know, and it's something that we've known throughout the years. So, and I can't remember many guys that have been one and done in the front office in Pittsburgh. I can't remember many guys that have been one and done as an assistant coach either. So, you know, you got to feel good when the, uh, the talking heads, you know, not the talking heads, excuse me, the uh, heads of state in Pittsburgh make the move. And this, I think, is a pretty good move. Let's move on to OTAs, Kevin. You know, how excited are you about the OTAs right now? The organizing, what, what are they, organized training activities? Yeah, exactly. Organized training activities. Remember back in the day when we would all go to the movies, when that was like a big thing? I don't know how long, how long it's been since you were actually in a movie theater. It's been, it's been a while, but I remember being as a kid, uh, the movie was, you know, you, you, you went to the movies to see the movie, but you also went for the previews, you know, and you'd, you'd sit there and you made, made sure you got there on, on time. You had your popcorn and your soda and whatever, and you're in your seat because you wanted to see the previews and the previews could, they always made the movie seem so cool that whatever movie was coming up. And you, like, I would say that, 95% of the previews left me going, oh, I'm definitely going to see that movie, even though I, I hardly ever did. But I always wanted to see the movie because the previews were so exciting. And I, I kind of feel like that's what OTAs are. OTAs are sort of the previews to the season. And you, always, you get these little glimpses and these little videos of guys, you know, doing workout stuff and talking to reporters afterwards or whatever. And I don't how can it not leave you excited? It just, it just leaves you with a sense of anticipation. Oh, this is all coming together. You know, it leaves me with just so much curiosity about, you know, what's it really look like? What's it, I mean, I, I love the videos that, that Jeff and Dave put up that just show the little clips from, from camp. I watched the, I watched the video today that they put, po they posted a Pat Fryermuth blocking 
uh, in a shoot against the bag being held by Zach Gentry. I watched it. I watched it 20 times. I was looking at every step that he was taking, where his hand placement where it was. I was looking at how Zach Gentry held the bag because that's really important, believe it or not, when you're doing a blocking drill, how somebody holds the bag has a tremendous impact upon the effectiveness of the drill. And I was looking at the, all right, they, how have they instructed him to hold the bag? I was looking at Zach Gentry's size. My God, he's a massive human being. And I was looking at, at, at Firemuth, you know, and he looked bigger and thicker and all those things, you know, they get you excited. So uh, needless to say, yes, I'm, I'm stoked that the OTAs are here. I can tell you are. And I love how you equated that to the movie trailer to the uh, preview for a movie. So we're going to talk more about what excited you most in the OTAs. And we're going to talk about really the position group and who we think is really going to step up for that position group. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back now, but you have inspired me and I'm going to go off my script a little bit here and I'm going to give this a shot in a world where men in shorts battle for jobs. Two men need to talk about it incessantly. When we come back, Brian Anthony Davis and coach Kevin Smith talk James Daniels on BTSC. What do you think, my man? Yeah, like uh, fade out with like a fireball or something. I think yeah. that's perfect. <laughs> Coming this spring. All right, we'll be back right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. Two behind the steel curtain. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. His name is Kevin Thatcher Smith. I know I always use that incessantly. I hope you don't mind. In fact, I think you're just not KT anymore. You're Kevin Thatcher. What do you think? That's cool. I'm proud of that middle name because the rest of my name is so boring that like the Thatcher spices it up a little bit. Can I call you Thatch? Uh, why not, man? Uh, my whole family did forever. <laughs> K Thatch. <laughs> All right, Kevin, let's do this. So you were really impressed with the offensive line so far when in just that sneak peek and one man stood out to you. And who was that? James Daniels. I was very uh, encouraged by some of the things I heard uh, him say in some of the interviews that were that were kind of trickling out from the OTAs. And specifically, the thing that got me really excited was when he talked about um, sort of understanding the scheme and how, how it all fits and works together. Um, he talked a lot about uh, Canada's shifts and motions, which are, are one of the first things you put in in OTAs, right? When you, when you go to any kind of install, stuff that take that that requires timing that goes in first because those things 
need you need the reps on those things. So so timing routes between the quarterbacks and the receivers, meaning meaning routes where the QB is going to like the ball is going to come out when it's when he hits the third step of his drop. Uh, and he's going to throw to a spot and the receiver's got to get to that spot. You know, that, that stuff takes a lot of reps between QBs and receivers, especially with the Steelers having all these new quarterbacks. So they'll work a ton on that in OTAs, I'm sure. And they'll work a ton on shifts and motions because again, man, that's a timing thing. And in order for the jet sweep game to work correctly, the snap and the motion and the handoff and all that, it has to be precise. And so, so you saw some video of the Steelers working on that, but I was really impressed with, with what James Daniels was saying about, uh, getting the line all on the same page as the Steelers go through that stuff. Because one thing, as I think maybe, you know, casual fans you don't think about is this. When you run all those shifts and motions, it changes the structure of the defense. You're, you're moving on offense, but the defense is moving with you. And so what might look like a particular blocking assignment uh, as you get in your stance is going to change when that jet motion comes because the defense is going to kick or move or do whatever they're going to do to the motion. And now all of a sudden your blocking assignment might change. And I was really impressed with the way that Daniels talked about being able to sort of understand all of that and get the line on the same page in regard to those things. Because if there was, you know, there were several glaring weaknesses with the line last year, uh, but one of them was blown assignments. They just missed a lot of assignments last year. And it was very encouraging to hear a new guy like him talk about that right out of the gate. Now, it's very easy to be able to talk. I mean, man, I've had some really great interviews, and I've really sold myself, but it's backing it up with your performance. So far, does it seem like James Daniels has that backup moxie? I've heard several of his teammates talk about how he's already kind of become a leader in that offensive line group. And they seem to see him, even though he's still only 24 years old, as sort of that veteran presence. He, you know, he started a lot of football games, uh, despite the fact that he's a young man. And he seems to uh, have a voice uh, uh, on, that, on that front that everybody else is, is listening to. He also seems, and I, I, heard, I heard Mason Cole echo some of these thoughts, uh, Daniels and Cole both seem to be impressed with Pat Meyer, the new offensive line coach. Both of them talked specifically about how uh, instructive Meyer is, how specific he is in regard to details and instruction, uh, what a technician he is. And that's refreshing. I remember in the OTAs last year, we heard a lot about Adrian Clem preaching physicality and that's all well and good. You know, everybody wants their line to be physical, but, but you can't physicality without technique is ineffective. The NFL is not a game where you just, fire off the ball and bulldoze the dude. I mean, the, the guys in front of you are just too good. So while you have to fire off the ball, uh, hand placement, footwork, leverage, technique, you know, combo blocks with your, with your teammates, all that stuff is incredibly important too. So it sounds like, one, Daniels is stressing that to his fellow linemen, and two, Pat Myers really stressing it uh, as, the, as the position coach. Well, I got to put an APB out on you because you just stole my thunder. So, and no, that's, that's actually a good thing. And I'm glad you did because it's your job to talk more and me ask the questions. So this is the question I'm going to ask you, Adrian Clem, he was stressing physicality and everybody was excited about Adrian Clem last year, but as we know, it did not work out. So my question for you on the Adrian Clem front is this. Everybody's physical, aren't they? 
is there a line that does not, is there a line coach that does not preach physicality? No, uh, um, no, everybody preaches it, but there's different ways of achieving it. Uh, especially like when, you know, when you, when you are running a particular scheme for, for example, let's say, let's say you're an inside zone team. Everybody, everybody in the NFL runs, runs inside zone. Um, you know, there's two ways of really running that play. One, one is by running a, a count system, which essentially equates to more man blocking. And the other is the more traditional way where you're working combo blocks with your uh, fellow offensive lineman and you're chipping off to linebackers. And, and that, while that is physical in nature, no doubt about that, that's, that's two dudes, two offensive linemen uh, trying, to, trying to blow a single defensive lineman off the ball. I mean, they're, you're literally trying to push that defensive lineman into the lap of the linebacker. I mean, the big rule for the chip off for those offensive linemen is don't come off until you can get to the linebacker in one step, meaning you don't want to come off too early and run at the backer. You want to push that double team uh, as long as you possibly can and as deep as you possibly can. And so uh, that all sounds well and good, you know, all right, let's, let's, let's put our, our hand in the dirt, get off the ball and kick this guy's butt and block his butt all the way back to the linebacker. But, you know, Defensive linemen have coaches too. You know they know how to they know how to defeat double teams. If the double team isn't executed properly, right? If the if the offensive linemen don't get hip to hip, you got to get hip to hip. Uh, their steps have to be perfect. If you don't get hip to hip, that, that any good defensive lineman is going to split the double. I don't care how physical you are. All right, he's going to he's going to dip and rip and split that double team, and now you're going to have a mess at the line of scrimmage. So again, physicality is is, is uh, the floor so to speak, when it comes to offensive line execution, but technique, it will set the ceiling. And, and, and if, if teams have great technique up front, uh, then the physicality will pay off. It definitely will, but you've got to have technique. And you mentioned yeah. that it yeah. seems that there's more of a technique guy here in Pat Meyer. So how excited are you about Pat Meyer and what you've seen so far with the rest of the offensive linemen? We talked about James Daniel. What, what about everybody else? Well, just to answer the question about Meyer, I mean, just, just another little tidbit of, of what I heard Daniel's talking about. I mean, he, he talked about in pass protection, one of the things that Meyer's emphasizing is setting a deep pocket. And what that means is rather than have the offensive lineman pop up, kick step and retreat, uh, he they're firing out and making first contact with the defensive lineman in order to sort of create a pocket at the line of scrimmage to give their quarterback a little bit more room. If you if you think back to the Steelers last year, it felt like Ben Roethlisberger was catching the snap, and and you know we all we all understood like oh well, he wants to get rid of the ball quickly because he doesn't move around well anymore and he's old and he doesn't want to get hit et cetera et cetera. But another reason was because it felt like the pocket was collapsing on him almost immediately, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that you know, the Steelers were using an old school sort of you know uh, kick technique where the linemen were uh, retreating at the snap. And, you know, some of those guys weren't big and strong enough or skilled enough to be able to anchor in once they started to retreat. So it felt like they were giving the defensive line almost like a running start at them. And then the defensive linemen were pushing the offensive linemen into Roethlisberger's lap. And what Meyer's doing is saying, we're going to be aggressive off the ball. We're going to fire out, set the, set the pocket at the line of scrimmage, fight these guys, and then hopefully be good enough technique-wise not to, not to miss, not to have the defense lineman swim on him or beat him with a spin move or whatever. So that was encouraging, too, because it, it's, it seems like a solution to a problem that plagued the Steelers last year. 
It definitely was. And another problem for the Steelers last year, and it seemed that they tried to address this in the offseason, was the center position. More guys with that slash C next to him, Mason Cole being one brought in. James Daniels is another guy. You also had incumbents in Kendrick Green as well with a as a center, but he was a center slash guard when he was drafted. And now we are hearing from Kevin Dotson that Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green are battling for that left guard position. So what are your thoughts as far as Kendrick Green and left guard? Oh, I love it. I thought I always thought I've said this to you before on our previous podcast that I thought he was a better fit at a guard. Um, and, you know, I'm, al- I'm always in favor of the whole uh, two dogs, one bone uh, mentality, you know, get let those let two let two guys that have the potential to be starters for the Steelers battle it out for one one starting spot. You're going to get the best out of each of them. And then you're going to you're going to uh, create a standard by which the guy who becomes the starter knows that he needs to produce or he's got a capable backup nipping at his heels. So I love that hearing that Dotson and Green are going to are going to compete. And then Cole, you know, he's a guy that that did very well in Minnesota last year uh, for a team that ran the ball really, really well. Uh, So he's he's encouraging. I I listened to an interview with him as well this week, and he's smart and and uh, he understands center play. And one thing he talked about that I really liked was uh, obviously that the line needs time to gel. You got some new pieces in there. And he just talked about all those guys hanging out together. And I think that's important that, you know, now that we're kind of, I don't want to say we're out of COVID because it's kind of surging, you know, in different parts of the country again right now, but, but in terms of football wise, we're, we're, we're almost back to, to normal and, and these guys can hang out again and they can, they can sort of uh, just, just spending time together. An offensive line is a, is a unit more than any other group on the field. And they need to really sort of gel and kind of have a similar mindset, et cetera. And, I loved hearing him just say, "Hey, man, we're we're making an effort just to you know not 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 here at OTAs, but just uh, just in general to to be around each other and get to know each other." So let's talk more about Mason Cole in the center position. So you also have J.C. Hassenauer in the mix as well. So it seems like those two are the centers. And if you have to go outside of that with one of the other guys with the slash center position, like a Kendrick Green to move him back there, then you have two guys that just didn't make it at that spot. But it seems like center number one right now is Mason Cole with the Steelers. Would you not agree? Yes, that sounds uh, absolutely as though that's the direction they're going. And I think that's the right move. And if you make that move and you look at another guy that we just mentioned just a few minutes ago, it's Kevin Dotson. And he spoke and you're hearing guys speak. James Daniels, you know, he's a leader if he's speaking. We've also heard from Mason Cole, not afraid to take the microphone and talk. Kevin Dotson was a guy that at the end of the 2020 season was the next superstar on the offensive line. Now he's competing for a spot or is his, is he really competing? What do you make of this? You mentioned two dogs, one bone. What do you make of this competition? Is this to get Mr. Dotson moving a little bit more to get him motivated? Or is this to just see what you have in Kendrick green? I think it's a legit competition. I mean, Kendrick green started 
almost every game for the Steelers last year as a rookie. And I, I know that part of that was out of necessity, but obviously the Steelers saw enough in him to feel confident to start him as, uh, as, a, as a rookie. And so I don't think that they've written him off. I just think that they feel as though his natural fit is not at center. He moves well enough to be a guard. Uh, I read a report that said that he's bigger and, and thicker and stronger this year. Everybody who watched his film last year seemed to come to the same conclusion that he needed to get a little bit stronger. Uh, and it seems like he's done that. So I think it's a legit competition. Kevin Dotson was in the doghouse with the Steelers for most of last year. I know he was injured, but even before that, they seemed to be displeased with him for whatever reason. And there's all sorts of rumors as to why. And I don't know for sure. I've heard that it had something to do with uh, they wanted him to condition a certain way and he didn't want to do that. He kind of wanted to do his own thing. I don't know if that's true or not, but whatever the case, he, he didn't exactly uh, find himself in, in great favor last year. So, so I don't think anything's guaranteed for Kevin Dotson. I think this is a legit competition. So he did not earn that after his first season because of a, you know, maybe an attitude after his uh, rookie year. Is that what you're saying? He may have earned it, but, but I think Kendrick Green last year with what he showed uh, told the coaching staff that, that he's a viable option too. And so with Dotson basically missing the entire season last year and, and Green putting some good uh, – enough stuff on film for the Steelers to feel like maybe if we move him to a more natural position, he'll be better, then I don't think there's anything guaranteed for Dotson. If you lose this competition, does it kill you right now? No, not at all. I mean, it's, the Steelers need a swing guy. I think they would love Green to be the swing guy because, you know, meaning like Dotson to win the competition and Green to be the backup because he is more versatile and he could probably play both guard spots as well as the center position. So that if they had an, an, an injury to Mason Cole, that they could they could slot uh, Green in there. They could also kick James Daniels over to center. He started six games at center uh, in Minnesota and, and they could plug Green, you know, Green in over at the other guard. So they got a lot of options. Um, I th- I've always thought that that swing guy is incredibly valuable because how many times you go through a 16, now 17 game NFL schedule without needing to go to your backups on the offensive line. It's very rare. And so I think whomever they slot in as that, as that backup is going to wind up playing a good amount of snaps. We're talking about glue guys on the offensive line with Kevin Dotson speaking out this week. Does it seem like he could be one of those glue guys that he never seemed to be one before? Yeah, I found it interesting that he was one of the more vocal guys because, again, coming off of last year where he didn't really meet expectations and, and he didn't always seem to be in the best graces with the coaching staff, uh, that, that, doesn't necessar- that doesn't really sort of scream like, hey, I'm going to be a big locker room voice the following, the following season. So it's interesting, right? I mean, maybe he's, maybe he's confident. Uh, maybe he's in, you know, kind of a better position this year than he was last year. And maybe somebody just stuck a microphone in front of his face and he said some interesting things and it made its way to the, you know, the blog pages. So I don't know what the, what the reason is for, but I'm glad to see it. I want to see an assertive Kevin Dotson because when he's assertive, he's damn good. I mean, that's a, he's a physical guy who's, you know, a, a people mover uh, and the Steelers didn't have a ton of people movers up front. So if he's confident and feels good about where he is right now, that's a good thing. If I say the number two, 
and you go over under how many glue guys does this team need? We've seen the Steelers with four glue guys in the past when you had Alejandro Villanueva, DeCastro, Pouncey, and Ramon Foster on the same line. So what do you think that a young line, a line in transition needs as far as leaders on that line? Yeah, you need at least two. You need, you need, you certainly need like an, an alpha guy uh, and, and who's going to be able to sort of set the tone. It seems like Daniels uh, may be that guy, uh, but Dotson certainly physical. Dotson may be a guy who the Steelers look to as, uh, you know, this guy's just a butt kicker and, and he earns people's respect in that regard. The guy, though, that I really have always believed uh, is, is so important for the offensive line to gel as the center simply because they make so many of the calls. Uh, they set the tone for the line. And the Steelers, with their incredibly storied tradition at the center position, uh, part of their success uh, as a team, as a franchise over the last 40-plus years has been because they've, they've almost always had great centers. Um, and and that, those centers have anchored a lot of really, really good offensive lines in Pittsburgh. And so it'll be very, very interesting to see if Cole can become that guy. To me, while, I, while I'm really impressed with, with what, what I've heard and seen from Daniel so far, and he's got the potential to be the best lineman up front, Cole could be the most important lineman because if he can become an anchor at the center position and stabilize that position group, it'll be huge for the line as a whole. Kevin, the Steelers have a storied history of homegrown centers, but they've also done fairly well, and they won championships with guys with heart at center. And I'm talking about free agents, Justin Hartwig and Jeff Hardings. What kind of heart do you think that Mason Cole is? Is he a Hardings or is he a Hartwig? Uh, well, I mean, he's, he's a tough guy uh, who played, again, like I said, for a, real, a pretty physical unit in Minnesota last season, but he seems like a cerebral player. He seems like a person who, who really understands how offensive lines work and, uh, and playing next to James Daniels, I think is going to help him a great deal because he, uh, Daniels is, is uh, such a smart player as well. And then on the other side, if he winds up playing next to Kevin Dotson, Dotson's a really physical guy. I mean, Cole, Cole may be able to help Dotson a little bit more with the mental part of the game. And then Dotson may be the physical guy. So that, that, that threesome in the middle of the line. If you're good from guard to guard, and you can and you can control the a gaps. If you can block the a gaps, you can do some damn good things in the running game. Uh, and so my hope is between Dotson, Cole, and Daniels, the Steelers will, will will have accomplished that. Absolutely, and it sounds like we're pretty excited about the interior of this offensive line now. But let's talk about the guys on the corners. Let's talk mm -hmm. about. The tackles. We haven't heard much about Dan Moore Jr. Haven't heard much about Chuk for except for getting a new contract. Yeah, this is where, <laughs> this is where my enthusiasm wanes a little bit. Uh, I'm 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 nervous nervous about the edges. I mean, all things considered, I'd rather have I'd rather be good uh, at guard center guard uh, than than the opposite. Be you know have have a couple of great tackles but be weak up the middle. Because when you're weak up the middle, you have a really hard time running the ball. NFL defenses are too good to make a living just running to the edge. They're just too fast. You got to be able to run the ball in the A-gaps. And uh, you can't do that if you're bad, you know, from guard to guard. And then the other thing is, you know, you could have two great uh, pass protectors at your tackles. Um, but if the pocket's getting pushed and, and, and the quarterback's got dudes in his face all the time, 
that makes life hard too. I think you can compensate for weaker tackles in the run game by running the ball inside more, and you can compensate for weaker tackles in the passing game by moving the pocket. And the Steelers certainly seem as though they're going to do that this year. They're going to be more, uh, you know, creative with 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 where they set the quarterback. And so I'm nervous about the two tackles because I don't know if they're great NFL players right now, but I'm not nervous to the point where it makes me feel like the Steelers can't be good up front because of how they are from guard to guard. You know, I have compared Dan Moore Jr. to a John Jackson from years past. Is that a good comparison? If he becomes John Jackson, that's great. John Jackson was a darn good player. Absolutely. You think he can be? Yeah, I mean, he's got that build. He kind of looks like same number, right? Aren't they the same number? Yeah, same number, but yeah, I agree with you on the build. Yeah, they, they kind of look pretty pretty similar. I, I, I saw a lot of things I liked out of Dan Moore last year. A lot, you know, I think he got beat up by people, but the guy was a fourth-round draft pick. I, mean, I don't think anybody thought that he was going to be the starter. Uh, if we were talking OTAs last year at this time, nobody was talking about Dan Moore being a starting left tackle. And um, and he you know, he afforded himself well against some pretty good players. Obviously, he had, he had some struggles. Obviously, he needs to get stronger. Hopefully, he's done that. But uh, if his career progresses the way that a lot of linemen progress, meaning that they, uh, as they acclimate to the NFL game, they, they just sort of deliberately get better, he's going to wind up being a, a pretty good player. With that internship and not having to redshirt, your first season with a rookie starting that many games in the NFL, it's, it's gotta be good, Kevin. Oh yeah. He'll, he'll come back a totally different guy in terms of his confidence and his understanding of the scheme, having Canada back as coordinator will be a huge plus for him because he'll, you know, he'll know uh, so much of what the Steelers are doing. His head at this time last year, his head was probably just swimming because of the playbook. Um, Kenny Pickett talked about it at rookie mini camp last weekend where they asked him, you know, what's the hardest thing right now? And he, and he said, other than the playbook, it's just learning guys' names because, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to direct the offense and I'm saying things like 18 go over there. I don't even know who 18 is just yet. Uh, so it's amazing how much more had to learn at this point last year. And now here he is this year coming back as a returning starter, getting plugged into the starting unit. And he's going to be able to play faster as a result and, and be more confident. So that's huge. Confidence factor as far as the offensive line goes, you know, let's uh, as an entire unit, what number one to 10 are you putting as your confidence factor right now on these guys? Mm, that's a tricky question. Uh, I always err on the side of optimism. So my confidence factor with this group is probably around a seven, which might be a little bit high because I think a lot of people are probably in the four or five range, but I just feel as though I just feel Daniels is the best free agent offensive line acquisition they've made in a long time. And Cole's an under the radar, sneaky, good free agent acquisition. And that last year, the, the, the two guys in the positions that those two are in, Kendra Green at center, a rookie who had only played a handful of games at center in his entire college career and was thrown in before he was ready. And Trey Turner, a veteran who was, whose best days were really behind him 
and didn't seem to be in great shape when he got to Pittsburgh. I think they're so much better this year at center and guard that it gives me a lot more confidence. I'm an 8.5. Ooh, look at you. Going big. I'll tell you why, because this is a blue-collar line, and the Steelers have had a lot of blue-collar lines in the past. Remember, some of their best linemen in the 80s were a guy that was picked with the last pick of the fifth round and the last pick of the sixth round in 1980 being Tunch Elkin and Craig Wolfley. You know, those guys were blue collar guys and they, I mean, that was a very good line in the eighties and the early nineties because of guys like that. So they've always had a, an opportunity to put guys that were drafted in the middle of the draft and do well with them. And they're back to that with these guys. I mean, I know, what we saw recently, there was a lot of ones and twos on the offensive line. And now that's over. Now you've got a lot of guys that I think the highest pick here is third round with that being James Daniels being a third rounder and Shooks being a third rounder. I'm not sure where Cole was picked, but you have Cole other guys picked rounder. in the fourth. Cole was the third Cole, rounder as Cole well. Third, and, Ken, and Kendrick Green was the third rounder. So you got a lot of third round picks and that's oh, a that's great right. spot to pick offensive line. And so you've got a fourth rounder in Dotson then. Okay. So, and and Dan Moore, you've got a fourth rounder. So very interesting stuff. All right. So something that you established last week, which if we go away from, it's going to be absolutely stupid and it would be ill-advised. Who's the dude on the offensive line? I think the dude is Daniels. I think he's the guy who uh, brings, first of all, the most experience the best pedigree uh, while he was a third round pick, he came out of Iowa university, of Iowa, which is an offensive line factory, the friends factory there in Iowa, the, those Iowa linemen are always technically sound uh, resilient. They get after it to the whistle. They're kind of guys that, you know, they're kind of what we call echo to echo of the whistle guys, meaning, meaning, meaning linemen who stay after the play until through the echo of the whistle, they're going to just keep at it, keep at it. Uh, he's going to be smart and uh, and he's played at a pro bowl level. I mean, he's never made a pro bowl, but uh, but he's right there in that conversation. When you look at his PFF rankings and things like that, he's right on the cusp of, of being a, a pro bowl guard. So, so I think he's, he's the dude. I think Dotson has some dude qualities in the way that he carries himself and with his nastiness and his physicality. Uh, but you know, he really, he just hasn't proven it yet over an extended period of time. Well, you are the, Darth of dudes. You're the guys that gives out the titles. You're the Duke of dudes. Excuse me. You're, you're going to go ahead and give out the titles. Um, who is the dude at BTSC? Uh, I feel like this is a trap. No, it's not a trap. <laughs> if I, if I don't say Jeff Hartman, Jeff Hartman, will you, will you dock me pay? If I don't label you the dude at BTSC. <laughs> <laughs> so, my gosh, an arm twisting dude for Jeff Hartman, I guess. Uh, you know, hey, I mean, I have a, I have tremendous <laughs> respect for Jeff Hartman. Uh, he's a, he's a damn good looking guy. You hear that, Jeff? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who has more hair, you or Jeff? Uh, I've never met Jeff in person. I've only seen pictures. You never have. A, so I, I have not, man. I haven't met any of you guys in person. Oh, that's so, true. Uh, I've, I've hung that, out with a few of you. So, uh, yeah. That just feels weird to say that, considering I spend more time talking to 
uh, you guys and, and interacting with you than I do a, a lot of my close friends. <laughs> <laughs> we have become a fraternity and a family here at BTSC. So it's a great thing. Um, little hurt that I'm not a dude, but no, nah, I'm just kidding. So with that being said, Kevin, Brian, I, Brian, I've seen you, I've seen you perform live music. You have, <laughs> You have serious dude qualities, no doubt about that. <laughs> but it just seems like I'm fishing for dudedom, and you, you just can't do that. <laughs> uh, well, I ducked the question, so yeah, we have to come back to me on that. <laughs> so let's get on out of here. But we are going to be having the dude of the week every single week, and we are going to uh, Kevin. If it's okay with you, we're going to have the dude of the week in season as well. So we're going to yeah. see who the dude for each and every game for the Steelers will be. So look forward to that. But in the, in the uh, preseason is which we are now we're officially in preseason as far as I'm concerned, because we're ramping up with OTAs here, you know, we're going to have a dude every week too. So remember that. And you can start thinking about who the dude of the week is. Love it. Great idea. All right, dude. With that being said, let's get on out of here. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you check out this morning's Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman. Excellent show. Later on today, you are going to have the YouTube shows show up on the audio platform. That's Tony's Friday Night Six Pack with Tony Defio and also Touchdown Under with the Aussie Boys. They're going to be here as well. Check out this show if you missed last week's show or the week before, you can go back and find it. It's good stuff. Kevin knows his stuff and you want to hear it. Also, yesterday's Stat Geek, the Thursday edition of the Stat Geek, really good stuff with Derek Watt talk from Dave Schofield. And if you don't listen to that, you're going to miss out because you're going to have a better perspective on the glory of who is Derek Watt after you listen to Dave. So, fantastic stuff don't miss it this is what you get at behind the still curtain.com so we ask you to do three things one be safe two be true to yourself and three always be behind the still curtain and keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the hypocycloids all right we are out of here two dudes saying see ya.